In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and writer of the Betches Sub newsletter. And I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian and sub video contributor. Happy Thursday, fam. How how we feeling today? How we doing? It's finally, it's giving fall. Fall is upon us, yes. And we're yeah. gritting. I'm, um, I'll admit if people see, get the vibe that I'm a little sleepy today, I, I went and saw Millie do a fabulous show last night. Thank you. And I, I shouldn't have had the last drink that I had. Mm -hmm. That's what I'll say is that I should have stopped Mm -hmm. and not had the last one that I got while closing out my tab. And I would be in a, maybe a more, my mental acumen would be higher today. Thursdays are tricky because I feel like, especially if you live in a city where people drink a lot excessively, it starts on Wednesdays. It starts on Wednesdays. Usually Wednesday is like Monday, you get through Monday, Tuesday, and then by Wednesday, people are ready to go to go have cocktails. But this was a big show, right, Millie? Yeah, it was a big show. It was taped. It's going to be on cracked.com. Did you publicize this one? Was there tickets available to it? I, I did. I, I did. Oh, okay. um, not as much as I probably should have, but it, it had, there was a good turnout. Yeah, yeah. It, was yeah. Um, it was great. <clears throat> yeah, I've just been in like, yeah, it was really cool. So I'm excited and that'll be online. Um, yeah, but I'm also very tired from that. And then when I got <laughs> home, I wanted to do some light watching. So I watched the best TV show in the world, The Morning Show. <laughs> I, everybody and, is going crazy over the new season. I've got to watch it. It's it's insane. It's like Riverdale for 40 year olds. Like, <laughs> like it takes like, it's not as fantastical and doesn't take, but like they do go to space in the first, like, yeah. it's just insane. <laughs> I heard there's the, in, there's an insurrection storyline in the, in the first episode, right? They, but like they refuse to say Trump and like, mm. it's weird. It's weird what they like decide to talk about. Like, they refuse to say Trump, but they say like they keep bringing up presidency, whatever they bring up the insurrection, but they don't like reenact it or you don't see it. any. But like they, they made like John Hamm play the Elon Musk character, which is so insane. Because <laughs> no. like they're trying oh. to John make Hamm's him too hot. Exactly. They they did last night. They did like a racial storyline that was weird mm. where the, they they got hacked in the second episode and then um, they released all the CEO emails, and one of the CEOs referred to a new hire as Aunt Jemima. Oh and, no! Oh my you know, god! Jennifer Aniston. There was like a, 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 a like a thing about a referendum about wokeness. It's Is it, isn't there a revenge porn storyline too, kind of, or a leaked video storyline? Yeah, that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like, an episode one. <sighs> That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just insane. Like what they decide to cover. It's like Riverdale mm-hmm. where it's like, wow, we're really doing this. Okay, cool. <laughs> I've been watching in the past couple of days. I've watched probably like 40 episodes of Below Deck. I, I don't know what's going on. This happens to me every couple of years where it just grips me and then I'll kind of fall off. This is Below Deck Down Under is amazing. If you are watch you it, watching you know. with your phone? Like, cause I feel like that's good. Like you're on your phone and watching or are you like glued? I'm glued. I'm glued. I'm watching it on my television for days at a time. It just feels good. If you watch it, you know, Aisha's the most magical woman that's ever lived. It just feels like you're on a really expensive vacation, like all day. Like I feel I'm like, I want to spend all day on this yacht (laughs) with these people, with these gorgeous 25 year olds who are getting screamed at by new money. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that 
because Danny and I did finally take on Vanderpump, and we are about mm. to finish season Jealous. six. We have the wow. Oh my god! I know we have the um the reunions. Girls, we've been productive. I know yeah, we have I the know. reunions, but I think once Vanderpump is done, we've we've done the same thing where we've like gone on a below deck tear and then fallen off. I think we might return to below deck. Below deck down under really got me back in, and now I'm gonna and now I'm gonna climb. I'm gonna dive back into to all of the rest. Um, uh, also, obsessed. I mean, as we're talking kooky kookalooney, um, you gotta watch Salt Lake. This they're oh, just I'm they're catching crazy. Up. They're insane. So I love it. Yeah, it's, they're insane. I'm almost caught up to the new season, and then I'm gonna. I'll. I should be able to like by the time the reunion comes around, I should be like on track with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a good time to prepare your metabolism for binge watching, you know, a range of quality reality TV programs, especially with this this writer's strike. Speaking of TV, breaking news, as we just began recording the pod, Rupert Murdoch will step down as chairman of his conservative media empire. The 92-year-old announced today that his oldest son, Lachlan Murdoch, he's 52. The boy. The eldest boy it is, will wow. replace him as chair of both his firms, which are Fox Corps and News Corps. So Lachlan was apparently already kind of managing day-to-day operations at both companies. They both had these roles already, but they both had co in them, and now he'll be the only one. So, you know, not, not much might, might really change there, but just imagine you have a net worth of $17 billion. What do you do in your first day of retirement? What are you doing? You have all the time in the world and seventeen billion dollars. I mean, I'm I'm doing below deck live. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on some below deck in person and getting somebody to make me scrambled eggs at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm. Well, the thing is, I feel like if I had amassed Rupert Murdoch's wealth, I would have retired far earlier so that I wouldn't oh, yeah. be ninety two. <laughs> I think it's a rule that on every set podcast we say we would have retired by now. <laughs> oh, but, uh, no. By 80, I will be retired. Um, but it like to me, it's like I feel like you can't take advantage of your full retirement when you're 92, because I do wonder, it's like, I mean, I'm sure he has like a super duper duper yacht that has everything he needs on it. But it's also like. Do you want to be in the middle of the ocean when you're 92? Mm. You know, if shit goes down, don't you want to be able to be like helicopter? I mean, I'm sure his yacht has a helipad, but it. I feel like it's like I, you know, you got to retire earlier so that with that 17 bill, you should be at least. You should be. Um, you should start a cottage industry where you're like a retirement consultant, where you do tell people, you know, yes, you could wait and make more money, but then you will get to such an advanced age that you cannot be without more than 10 miles away from a hospital. You can give people their exact, precisely correct, the most like optimize their retirement year. Yeah. Hire me to tell people they should retire. (laughs) That's the whole job is that I'm just like, no, you should retire. You're old. I mean, you'll be very busy because apparently none of these Mm -hmm. motherfuckers want to retire. Not a single Uh, one. Apparently retirement is like the most insane, disgusting thing these people could ever do. Yeah. I would start a dachshund sanctuary for dachshunds that broke their back, which is like one in oh. five dachshunds. <laughs> and I would just have people take care of them on their, and they can drag themselves around and we'll get them all the surgery. This is, this is a pet concern of mine. Every single day, I probably donate to a GoFundMe to get a dachshund back surgery. So I would, I oh would create, God. I would buy the, the nicest townhouse in the city and make, actually, I would probably buy the dachshund sanctuary like outside of the city and let somebody else run it. Mm. That would be too sad. And then for me, I'd buy the biggest townhouse. You'd in the visit city. often. I would visit often, of course. And I'm sure a couple of them I would fall in love with and I would, and I would bring back to my massive townhouse. I'm yeah. surprised that you wouldn't like have like a coffee shop with dots in it. I would. I've thought about doing like what I would love to do is a is a something that's kind of a coffee shop and a dispensary in one. Mm. And I, but that would just be so tricky because like, how do you keep the dogs from the? It's got to be. Too, how do you keep the dogs from the weed? It's too tricky. <laughs> but the yeah. but the dog cafes pull it off. If any, is- if anyone. <laughs> Can figure it out. It's you, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you. Not, not to like bring up this cursed name, but I did watch that Johnny Depp Amber Heard documentary that was on Netflix, and one of the things that they I heard it wasn't good. No, it's not. Well, it's it's just stuff you've already seen. It's like reliving something that why would you want to relive it? But I did watch yeah. it, and I will say that one of the revelations is that the dog that supposedly shit in the bed but that he said she had shit in the bed. That dog has had incontinence problems. I think its name is Boo. 
Aww. and it's had incontinence problems its whole life because one day it ate Johnny Depp's weed <gasps> when it was a puppy. Damn, and that it is has, so it's sad. Shit in the bed more like. It actually has shit in the bed before and there are like texts that are revealed of her being like boo shit on Johnny in the middle of the night because of his incontinence problems and it's because the dog ate Johnny Depp's weed. So you definitely do not want to let a dog eat weed, especially if it's a puppy. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do a dispensary next to next to a dog friendly coffee shop. Yeah. I think that that's what I would do with my 17 An billion dollars thing where there's yeah. a dog like, Yeah, yeah. Speaking of people that do not know what to do with their money, that takes us to our numbers segment, which today is nine, because that's how many days Congress has to come up with some way to fund the government, either temporarily or on a long-term basis. We'll get through this quickly because I don't know how many times we've discussed either a shutdown showdown or a debt ceiling showdown in our many years of doing this, probably like 35. And it's always it's the same that's thing. A number. It's, it's every show. It's every that's time. a number. It's yes. every time it comes up, they're always like, oh, we can't come up with a deal. And it's because one side is playing fucking games with like there, there's no level of responsibility to do the most basic function, which is just like keep the fucking lights on. And this one is kind of more gratifying because like I feel like Kevin McCarthy is ready to kind of like vote for Medicare for all just to get something, <laughs> something out of the House of Representatives. So the House of Representatives is, of course, trying to figure out a way to fund the government. That's all the like the every day. There's like four sets of headlines that are like drama, drama, drama. It changes dramatically every single day. Even temporarily, they're just trying to figure out right now, we got to come up with a way before the end of the month, before this budget deadline to continue funding the government. They can do that with like a short term thing where we only can agree to do this for 30 days and then we'll basically procrastinate and put off um, the spending bill. But, you know, right now, all they are trying to do is come up with their own version of a spending bill or continuing resolution to send to the Senate. They have to send anything to the Senate, anything. To, of course, anything they did send as a first offering would be rejected by the Senate. But as of right now, the, the idea is get them a piece of paper that says something and they can't do it. They can't agree on anything. The House Republicans have the House, but they have it narrowly. And there's a handful of Republicans that like McCarthy can afford to lose four votes. And there are seven people that are basically like we are, are. I don't really know. They want insane things, but it sounds like they're not going to. They're not really interested in passing anything. No, they're I mean. They're from a political point of view, they're right about something, which is that they're like, we can't get nothing out of this. We look dumb. We barely got anything with the shutdown uh, or excuse me, with the debt ceiling. And a shutdown isn't as serious. It's bad because people are furloughed and government functions can kind of be temporarily suspended. It's not like global economic collapse, which is what you know a debt ceiling breach would have done. They're trying to stuff these bills with money for crazy things like border security. They're obsessed with border security, um, but also don't want to send money to Ukraine. So they don't want to protect Ukraine from Russia. They do want to protect Texas from tiny migrant children, apparently. Yeah. And there are even like centrist Republicans that are furious at these people. They're all fighting. And it's possible that Kevin McCarthy will have to end up relying on Democratic votes just to get something to the Senate, in which case his colleagues would definitely move to remove him from the speakership. There was like a picture going around yesterday of like an already printed out resolution to vacate the chair. Yeah. I was reading Matt this Gates morning. Matt Gates left it in a bathroom. Yeah. Left in Matt a bathroom. Gates left a th like printed like a printed out resolution to remove Kevin McCarthy just like Lying around in a bathroom, which I is, he does that on like, purpose. I think he did a hundred percent. I think he was like, "See, I'm a petty bitch, and I'm going to leave this around as like a little threat." And I'm just like, "Why does Kevin McCarthy even want to do this job for another day?" To be honest, yeah. like I know that it was like his dream job, but it's like. You know, sometimes and this is something I've worked on in my own therapy. Sometimes you have to you, your dreams change and you get mm -hmm. more information and you realize, oh, this job is actually fucking hell <laughs> and uh, it's not yeah. what I anticipated. And I would like to move on and have mm -hmm. maybe I'll start a dog cafe. <laughs> and when most of your colleagues are like, sounds like a good idea. Consider well, especially it. if he had if you had to audition apply mm -hmm. for the job 15 times publicly uh, <laughs> <laughs> and people were saying no all the time and uh, you know I mean as funny and interesting and kind of egg on their face kind of schadenfreude it is to see Republicans deal with this I can't get it out of my mind that this is also like Democrats fault not this specifically but like 
we could have kept the house if we thought more strategically. There were some safe seats that we were not thinking about the bigger picture. Yeah. It should never come to this. And this George is like George Santos is still in there, y'all. George <laughs> it, Santos is still in there. Like, like we should. Lauren Bobert is there. <laughs> uh, like Miss Fucking Over the Pants Hand Job at Beetlejuice ass <laughs> is there. Like. This is a failure on both sides because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And also there, but like, this is what happens when we don't fight aggressively and we get too comfortable. These motherfuckers elect crazy people who, again, like Kevin McCarthy's always going to be beholden to the craziest person in his party because the craziest mm -hmm. person in his party does not care about doing their job. They are not elected officials. They are stunt politicians who want the latest viral moment and all this stuff. And they don't care about getting things done. And that is what we're dealing with here. And that's the, the state of the Republican Party today. You have Vivek Ramaswamy, who's like, of you know, whatever, the one of the forerunners, not in Congress, but I'm just saying that's mm -hmm. an example of the kind of people that pe the, the Republican Party is excited to elect. And th this guy's like, yeah, I'm going to lay off 75%. You know what I mean? It's like right. and it, yeah. they don't care about actual day-to-day -day governance. And it's just so wild to me that, like, I'm reading articles that say Kevin McCarthy might have to rely on Democratic votes. Like, that would be, so, like, just to get it out of the House. I mean, the the faction, like you're saying, the faction of, of members that are just completely uncooperative, that are there to stop things from happening... And like these are people that were boosted by largely Trump, who all of these people supported at various times. And so, yeah, this is exactly kind of what they were asking for. But it is crazy how far they go. Like Valensky wanted to do another or Valensky. Zelensky wanted to do another uh, joint address to Congress. And Kevin McCarthy said no. <laughs> like when when Zelensky, like one of the most popular men in the world, ask and you can't even get you have beef with him he doesn't because the, he doesn't know that fucking lauren bobert isn't gonna start screaming and vaping and doing her shit and like like they can't even do this we can't even have a state of the union without that behavior <laughs> and no. not to get tinfoil hat but we're not sure where a lot of these republican politicians are getting funding and who's funding them. I don't think Conf that's, I wish that were tinfoil. Conf Conf Absolutely. Russia. So they can't like, they are putting a line in the sand on the Ukraine shit because that's where a lot of their funding comes from. And that's where a lot of the misinformation and chaos that causes Democrats to stay home that fuels old people to vote aggressively Republican. A lot of that's coming from Russia. And Kevin McCarthy knows that. And it's crazy that he, Ms., Mr. McCarthy wants anything with Democrats because he refused to fucking impeach Trump. So this is what you get. Yeah. But also, this is what we get. Yeah, I, I tend to think of like this. I can't re remember if I've used this metaphor on the podcast before, but I feel like a, the government shutdown negotiations are are like planning a bachelorette party with a lot of different factions. Like it's made up with like the bride's high school friends and her college friends and her work friends she met later in life. Her high school friends are batshit crazy. They probably they probably storm the Capitol and they they're at risk of becoming a Karen meme like everywhere they go. The reasonable friends and the crazy friends, they're like trying to work together on a budget for the party. Mm -hmm. They're trying. We're one of the reasonable friends and we're like willing to negotiate to a certain degree. But the high school friends, they're demanding budget cuts that don't make any sense. I'm like, we're like, look, maybe we don't need to go yachting every single day. But then the crazy high school friends, they're like, we don't need food. We don't need food. Cut the food. Cut the food. We need the yachts, though. The military needs the yachts. We don't care if they lose them. The military needs a lot. And then the leader of the batch, let's say Kevin's like the, the maid of honor. He's like, OK. I'll take that suggestion. Maybe, maybe we don't fine. Maybe we don't need food. And then they're like, well, what do we need water for? Let's ditch the water. And then none of you have anything. Everything's crazy. You can't even negotiate. You can't even go on the trip. Everything, everything is a mess. Wow. Wow. What a betches <laughs> reference. Let's cop it up for Amanda on that one. Much like um, our bodies, perhaps the government is, just doesn't need to carry out our, our necessary functions. <laughs> we'll see where this goes if they can pull if they can pull this this party off. But um, I yeah, there's going to be some unusual alliances here. And um, to, to, to put a button on this metaphor, I think what usually makes a bachelorette party come together is when you have a reasonable sister. And we just don't here. We do no. not have a reasonable sister. Can I say everything you just said 
in part three of Legally Blonde, where <laughs> Elle Woods becomes a political pundit on MSNBC, that whole bachelor, the government's <laughs> like a bachelor party speech would be in the movie. It's it yours, Reese. It is yours. It's yours. <laughs> Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, let's move on to the main news. We'll just keep watching that. Uh, It's going to get down to the wire. For the main news, okay, so I was going to add this story to our show on Monday, but I wasn't sure we had much to say on it, but it turns out a lot of people had a lot of things to say. We're going to talk about the Senate dress code situation. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, so he announced earlier in the week that the staff for the Chamber Sergeant at Arms, basically like the hall monitor for the Senate, will no longer enforce a dress code on the Senate floor. And apparently, uh, these staff were pretty intense about it. They would stop senators for not wearing ties. Um, they did change a rule a couple years ago to let Kirsten Cinema because she really liked, she was the first person, I guess, who really liked wearing sleeveless tops. Amy Klobuchar got that rule changed for her. Now, uh, Chuck Schumer is saying that senators are free to wear whatever they want. He was like, I'm still going to wear a suit. Senators are free to wear what they choose. Senators historically have gotten around the dress code when casting votes by voting like in an actual doorway. The rule didn't apply if you had one foot in and one foot out. So senators have taken advantage of this rule in the past to cast votes like on their way to the gym or like if they're rushing from a plane and didn't change. So I don't know for certain that John Fetterman has used this tactic more than the other senators, but I I feel safe to assume that he has. Um, Apparently, he's been doing this quite a lot, especially since he came out of treatment for depression. Before that, he seemed to um, be wearing like suits that he definitely looked uneasy in um, and now has taken, you know, returned to kind of his campaign trail outfit, which is baggy shorts, a hoodie, and sneakers. So he has been wearing that to the Senate. The relaxed rule is only going to apply to senators and not their staffs. Fetterman said that he appreciated the rule change, but he said he planned to only use it sparingly. Um, I think yesterday he presided over the Senate, and I believe he wore shorts with a short sleeve button-up. People have had some reactions to this, a lot of overreactions, I think. Kansas Senator Roger Marshall, he called it a sad day in the Senate. Um, 
Naturally, I had to look up if this man calling it a sad day in the Senate also voted against certifying the election while there was still blood in the Capitol. He did. Of course he did. Ha! Of course he did. Of course yeah. he did. But it's the dress code change that's a sad day for the Senate. Marjorie Taylor Greene, which of course cast the same vote, she called it disgraceful. Ron DeSantis just had an incoherent complaint. He was just like, how can we keep lowering the bar? Susan Collins joked that she planned to wear a bikini to work and (laughs) go for it. Honestly, Uh, the Washington Post editorial board published an op-ed saying that, you know, people should dress up to work in the Senate. Um, Others didn't really care. Yesterday, there were quite a few senators spotted again without their ties. Uh, Josh Hawley was wearing, I just saw described as jeans and boots. I really wanted to look at a picture. (laughs) Are they a boot cut? Flare? <laughs> right. What's so the- I think there's like a few conversations to have here. Like, is the fury over the just over this dress code chains justified? And the well, other question I think we're gonna get to in our answers is should senators dress up? I mean, part first part of the question from Republicans, I won't hear this because yeah. we literally have fucking Tom, like Tuberville or whatever. Like they were only just able to confirm the yeah. head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He's holding up 300 military nominations right now because he's mad about abortion policy. Mm-hmm. Like you you don't get to pl- be playing those kinds of games and then be mad about like dress code level decorum like marjorie taylor green is one of the people who shouts stuff during the state of the union like it's just no and then yeah anyone who voted not to certify the election like you guys don't take this job seriously in a way that is much more impactful personally i think they're probably i think some like an office type dress code makes (laughs) sense for the senate I feel, I personally feel Marjorie. like no. I know I'm like now I'm a Republican. She's leaving the podcast and now her real views come out. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Where I go all Just in. kidding, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I just think like I don't know, like a regular office dress code if they want to institute a casual Friday. I definitely think I don't care if they have to wear a tie. I don't care about sleeves or whatever, but I do think some of the like like I mean, it seems like John Fetterman at least wore a button down the other day, but like shorts and a hoodie, I'm a little like, I've had jobs where I couldn't wear shorts and a hoodie. Well, it's like, there's a lot of things in the intersection here. And I think, you know, one, one thing that I keep thinking about is just in general office clothes and work culture has shifted in this way where people don't wear like office clothes, like that's just a general American trend and it's happening kind of all over the world. So I can understand why that's happening in Senate, but also like it is part of the job. Like you do, it's like both things where it's like, this is a general trend, but also like this is a specialized job where you do have to dress. And all I can think about when you were breaking down like actual outfits, I'm like, where is Tan France when you need him? He needs to take John <laughs> Fetterman. Like there are comfortable things that can make like that. This is are, what I'm saying. Put him in a linen suit. Or like where like talk to a fashion expert and see like what are things that, you know, because it is part of your brand. And I think me and Elise were chatting about this last night of like, mm. you know, Fetterman wants to have that like every man kind of appeal and that's his brand and whatever and it's like i don't know dude there are very, a lot of every man who still have to dress mm-hmm. up for work like if anything that's more every man than the privilege of wearing hoodies and uh, and shorts like there aren't many jobs you can do that and it's also like i don't know aoc and a lot of other fucking people on the squad and women they all have stylists. You pay someone a couple thousand dollars once a year to help you like come up with some repeatable outfits to wear to work. And it's just, I don't know. I, I'm conflicted because on one end it doesn't matter and it's like the whatever. And I don't want to hear shit from Republicans. But on the other yeah. end, and I'm like, honey, this is part of your job. And like, you got to fucking dress the part and you're representing your fucking people. And you like, could you imagine if a woman was like, I want to wear athleisure every day? That's my like, main rejection of it as well. Is that like, 
the dress code, like loosening the dress code, fine. I don't think they should have to wear like business casual is fine. Like yeah. khakis with a nice belt and a nice shirt. And like, cause remember, I remember when we had that discussion a while ago, it was a very slow news week. Um, when like Hakeem Jeffries and Kevin McCarthy oh, yeah. wore casual Dress shoes sneakers. and honestly a couple people were like who cares and I was like fair but this is like that that yeah who cares that's fine that doesn't matter you're still dressed up but like I think my kind of slight annoyance with this not accommodation for him but maybe just the idea that it's just acceptable to to wear that to work is because they would never let a woman get away with this. They would say she looks like a slob. They would never let a black man get away with this. No, Absolutely no. not. And it's clear there's nobody else. Um, and again, does that mean that John Fetterman shouldn't be allowed to wear what he, he wants? I also like I personally know people with somebody with pretty extreme like sensory issues and she wears shorts always. She just can't not. She can't function properly if she has fabric touching her legs. That's a totally different situation. And if that's John Fetterman's situation, uh, that then I'm fine with it. And maybe he doesn't need to be that transparent. But also, like, I hate wearing pants with buttons, too. <laughs> like, even but people also, that don't is your have, friend going to, like, apply for a job no, where she has not. to wear, like, pants? <laughs> probably no, not. But, and then she would, she would wear, you know, she would find, like the nicest shorts she could yeah, and, and then overcorrect with the nicest top. So it's again, like I'm conflicted too. And I don't know if that's come, I, this reaction is coming from like resentment for the, per, like this, just creating this permission structure because like, he's not like, it's not even like a, a, he's wearing a very loose hoodie and sagging basketball shorts and sneakers. That looks great if you're going to target, but like there is part, I don't know. Yeah. Like we're all having a similar sort of, at least I were talking about this yesterday. I'm sort of like dress somewhat nicely for the job that the taxpayers are paying you to have. But I also want to make space for people to like, if that makes them super uncomfortable, is that demand unreasonable? I don't know. I just feel like number one, as a senator, I think part of the reason why there should be some kind of a dress code, I don't, I, again, I think business casual is fine. I don't think you necessarily have to have a tie on or whatever, but like you are making decisions that are hugely impacting people's lives. And I think mm-hmm. out of respect for that, maybe you don't mm-hmm. need to be in like shorts and a hoodie, but there's something about like, and I like John Fetterman and I like a lot of the things that he had, like, I like a lot of the taboos that he has broken yes. with his candidacy in it. But with this, he's putting out all of this stuff. That's like, I dress like a slob. And he put like, he made like shirts that are like, I dress however mm-hmm. I want and all this stuff. And it's for me, what it's giving is like, that very um like like kind of like a 90s gen x dude bro thing of like i don't give a shit what i look like and it's actually like it's a little like it's fucking gay to like Mm -hmm. care what you look like and obviously that's not what he's saying but that's kind of the mentality that it's bringing up for me of like he doesn't see the value in the for in dressing somewhat formally yeah of like oh i'm such a guy i'm such i'm just an everyman pennsylvania dude so i couldn't possibly talk to someone about finding a pair of pants that i like (laughs) or or give a shit about what i'm putting on to go to work and i'm just like yeah I don't know. It 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 reminds me of like when you see a dude wearing shorts in the dead of winter and you're like, what are yes. you trying to prove with this? Like, why do you have these shorts on? Like, what, <laughs> What's going on here? Why can't you find I'm not saying he needs to turn up looking amazing or that fashion needs to be something that he cares about. But it is weird to me to be like, I will only wear shorts in a hoodie. Mm hmm. Right. It's like the very extreme reason version of like, everybody knows we're all going to a restaurant where you need to wear pants. And there's just one guy that's just like, fuck, no, I'm no not going to do it. I'm just gonna, and then he's like, well, it's going to be a scene when we get there. They're going to not let us in. He's like, fine. And the Senate is much more consequential than sort of like, like a, a meal. Again, he said he's going to use it sparingly, 
But yeah, I think we're both, we're all kind of having the same feeling, which is just that like, maybe there should be like, maybe you should, you know, spiff yourself up a little bit for, for, for a lot of jobs. Like if we have a, if we have a, a an interview with somebody over zoom, that's kind of, I, I make sure to put on a collared shirt and put makeup on. We all do, mm-hmm. even though yeah. like, we're just sitting our asses like at home and we might not do anything with it. Whenever, whenever I have a meeting, honestly, with like anybody in the office, I just, I don't know. I, I make sure I like put a little effort into it. And it's also like you're literally voting on people's rights and like the future of this country. Being, so for me, that's it's it too. More, yeah, you're being photographed in these monumental moments. Yeah, for me, it's more respect for the fact that like, like you're coming into this place to make decisions that are going to affect all of us, and it's like. I don't know. I wouldn't feel great if I saw some dude in shorts and a hoodie being like, abortion, I guess. Like, I'm just like, I don't. Right. Like- and is that worse than these terrible Republicans running against it? No, <clears throat> no. What Republicans all. are but doing there is to- a gravity to their work that, you know, seems like it's not that hard to match with. A button know, down. A button. Tacky. Well, honestly, I just think I just thought about one time. Everything goes back to my dating. One time I, I I was so excited to see this. This guy had asked me out for like a year, like texting me and all this stuff. And finally I was like, okay. And I picked out a really nice outfit and I got my hair done. This was definitely like in 2012. Um, do you tell this? No. Do you tell this story in your standup? I don't think okay. so. No, I'm thinking a different one. Sorry. Um, and I got, and then I, and then he gets, this happened twice. And, um, this motherfucker's wearing sweatpants. And uh, what, the first gray, time... at least? <laughs> the first time they wasn't, it was like with these black joggers. And he's like, what do you want me to do? Go home and change? And I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. And we went back to his, so he can change. And then the second, the second time I'm like, it's not about the sweatpants yeah. or the guy that wears sweatpants to a date. It's about the attitude of the guy of like, this isn't important to him. He didn't put like any thought, like it's just whatever. And I'm just like, I don't even want to go out on a date with the guy with fucking sweatpants, let alone have mm-hmm. my student loans, abortion, healthcare, <laughs> all that shit wrapped up in a guy with sweatpants. Also, I got to say, I was holding this in, but I'm going to say it now. Josh Hawley wearing boots and jeans giving varsity blues. It's giving the varsity blues movie and it's weird. Just 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 imagining the image. You're not looking at a photo, are you? Well, we'll definitely no. have to post a photo if one ever ever emerges. Have you guys ever been like in a professional environment or a work thing or even like at a formal event and had somebody say something to you about what you were wearing that made you feel like, oh, I didn't dress up enough? I got like, I've gotten approached. I was a temp at like a corporate job and I used to get approached about like my work not being work, my clothes not being work appropriate. Um, In the time I didn't receive it well because I didn't feel like that person gave a fuck about me and she was like trying to do it like as the other black woman in the office and she was like trying to tell me like I have to be more polished than everybody and I can't get away, especially... It was a it was a very nuanced thing. It's happened multiple times where like I'm in an office situation, but because I'm bigger and black, like I don't have the same. I can wear the same thing that one of my white counterparts was wearing and not get, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one that gets in trouble all the time. And my, re, you know, whatever, like my response to that is like, you're not paying me enough to do that. But like also like that has been an adjustment for me where I'm like, I know that like I don't want to work in these companies where that's a problem. So I don't. And like some of these companies pay really well, but I'm not willing to go to fucking Ann Taylor Loft and spend $300 on business attire. That's my thing. But anyway, I haven't worked a ton of office jobs, to be honest, because like my thing was always working like childcare jobs until I got into like the comedy world and like the office I worked at was Betches, which like there is like some decorum at Betches. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, but it was never one like it 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 was easy for me especially to especially if, if big people are coming in it's kind yeah. of like the office used to be a lot more like head to toe athleisure now now people get dressed every day but like they used to like hey people are coming in like they would never say like 
like, I like how here we tell people like, you know, be camera ready, whatever that means to you. That just means we might use the video, how you feel good, how you feel, you know, positive in the image of yourself that you're conveying. And I guess my, that's just bizarre that to, 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 I wish John Fetterman thought that camera ready meant more than hoodies and, and shorts. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because that was kind of another thing I was thinking where I was like, I could understand there being maybe like a dress code, a more formal dress code in place for like voting as opposed to like just kind of like regular days. But I guess there are there's just a lot of voting that you do. So I don't know how you like parse that out or whatever. And who knows, Mm -hmm. maybe John Fetterman will do that on his own. At least it seems like he put a button down on to like preside over the Senate. So it seems like that's in his head a little bit, but I do very specifically remember a friend of mine when I first got to New York, who was always like, kind of like an admin assistant role or like set, like secretary at the front desk type situation. And I remember she had on like what I would have thought to be like a really cute outfit um, she was like a very put together fashionable person and it was like a cute like sweater or whatever. And an older woman, which is it just Millie's story reminded me because it was another oh, woman, older woman. Yeah. Came up to her and was like, you look like you're in pajamas. And it's like she was wearing yeah. like a really nice like mm-hmm. sweater. It was just kind of like a big like chunky sweater, I guess. But it definitely it it was it was like a mismatch of sensibilities across generations because to me yeah. I was like I would not think anything of this I, I think this is like a polished and put together outfit but this woman came up to her and was like you can't wear that you look like you're in pajamas you look mm. like you're sleeping like it was like really kind of mm. nasty about it and I remember my friend was like she came home and she was like what the hell and I was yeah. like this is a cute outfit that looks very like. I don't know. I think like polished and fashion forward, but yeah, it was like a generational mismatch. And it is interesting that I do feel like a lot, there's a lot of like woman on woman crime in that regard. 100%. I think that, I think my reaction to this and what we're all sort of saying is that, and like, until we're, until we're really ready to let women wear whatever they want, then I'm going to have a little bit of a prickly reaction to letting John Fetterman wear whatever. Cause like, yes, women in the Senate here wear whatever you want. They're not, it's not going to be received well if they, if they're out there with leggings and a sports bra as a top, which is what a lot of women wear just walking around doing, doing their thing. But if you disagree with us, I'd be um, curious to know. So, so let us know. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, Good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Next up today, women's rights and women's wrongs. All right. The last time, I can't remember if we talked about Emma Roberts being rude to a Secret Service agent on the pod or (laughs) off of the pod, but that is apparently the least of her offenses. So actress Angelica Ross starred alongside Emma Roberts in American Horror Story 1984. And in an Instagram Live this week, Ross shared an anecdote about Roberts being transphobic on set. It involved a situation where the director referred to Emma Roberts and Angelica Ross as ladies, to which Ross says Emma Roberts replied, don't you mean lady? So obviously super transphobic, strongly suggesting um, or outright suggesting uh, that Angelica Ross is not a woman. Ross said that she didn't report the incident because she just didn't trust that she wouldn't be viewed as difficult. She worried there would be repercussions. And she's just like, I'm at work trying to have a positive professional experience. I don't want that burden as well. But then Ross referred to another incident where Roberts mimicked her voice speaking in a lower octave, which is also obviously very transphobic. So Ross, Angelica Ross shares this account and then Rob says that Roberts called her to apologize. And then Angelica Ross tweeted yesterday, thank you, Emma Roberts, for calling and apologizing. 
recognizing your behavior was not that of an ally. I will leave the line open to follow up on your desire to do better and support social justice causes with your platform. So notably, like not a denial of that really, really damning and transphobic accusation, but like, yeah, Emma Roberts, not a cool gal. Um, I would say she sucks. Yeah, she sucks. <laughs> I'm going as far as to say she sucks. And so I think go watch this live because it's just such bullying. It's, there's no acceptable transphobia, but the just like snickering about it, the self-satisfaction with being transphobic and punching down is so icky. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's very much like Emma Roberts is like, as far as like, especially on that set and in that franchise, she is literally like the star. I imagine she's probably like, th- there are very set hierarchies when you're on a set like that. Like literally you receive a call sheet in the morning. And if you're top of the call sheet, that means that you're top of the call sheet. It means you're the biggest biggest person on the set you're the star my guess would be that emma roberts is top of the call sheet on an american horror story set unless maybe sarah paulson is there this isn't a Mm -hmm. season i'm familiar (laughs) with but she's probably really close to the top of the call sheet and so it's it really is like mean girl a very scream queens thing of her to do to like because she really is like leveraging her position yeah on that set and in that franchise you know that her and ryan murphy are very very close she's a frequent collaborator of his angelica ross was in pose as yes. well yes. right yes yes so yes, it's yes. Not like she's bottom of the call sheet but it is like Emma Roberts knows that she's like leveraging her position. And one detail of the story that I thought was interesting was like, she made the like, don't you mean lady comment kind of after the director was walking away. Mm -hmm. So it is a very like mean girl thing to do to like wait until the teacher has their back turned and then say something shitty and and put it on Angelica Ross to either have to complain or not knowing Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is probably a really intense set. They're doing, it's an intense show. Angelica Ross probably just wants to be able to focus on like the job that she has to do acting and doesn't want to have to also have this like fucking HR situation that she's dealing with. And Emma Roberts knows all of that when she goes in to say shitty stuff to her co-star. And, you know, not that this is important or matters at all, but like Angelica, I don't know. I'm just like, this isn't someone who's just transitioned or is like not passing. Like, and even if she wasn't passing, like it doesn't matter. Like the purpose and the root or, you know, because there could be some grace on misgendering someone. If you, you know, an adjustment period of you've known them their whole life. And then they, you know, they, they've transitioned and you're, you can struggle. Like there is that grace and there is that thing, you know, that's allowed, Um, and it doesn't mean that it still doesn't hurt somebody, but you know, I doubt Emma, like Emma Roberts, like this is all to say that Emma Roberts intentionally did this absolutely, and was mean and did not, you know, care about it until she was called out publicly. And that, that's really like the alarming thing to me is that. She was totally fine doing all of this until she got called out and like was kind of a bully on set. And that shit just doesn't fly anymore. If if you learn nothing else from Leah Michelle, is that people <laughs> fucking keep that in their hearts and you yeah. always remember, you know? And I think this was um this was just at the start of a rant or, you know, Angelica has been very transparent about stuff that's happened with Ryan Murphy on the sets and all the stuff. And this was like an anecdote, like exemplary, like showing the fact, like how challenging it is to be a trans black woman in this industry, you know? And I think like a lot of the times people say flippantly, Oh God, like everyone wants diverse stories. It's so easy. All you have to do, like everyone wants diversity. No one cares about way people, like people say stupid shit like that all the time. And 
it's just like there are things that you don't have to worry like there are there are things you don't have to worry about when you're like a cis white woman like you don't have to worry about your gender being attacked or being bullied in the same way by a yes. you know think about someone like thinks, if i if i have to respond here and elevate this am i going to be seen as difficult absolutely and you know that's the that's the reality that this is Angelica the type of thing that should to. like be like a scarlet letter on her for her career but i'm sure we'll see her and many well, more things where she just plays a super mean bully well emma roberts you know she's also like been arrested for domestic violence she's like doing milk ads like she's just unwell <laughs> dairy milk dairy right, milk get babe. out of here dairy get milk here. it was it's a whole thing on um who weekly about all the <laughs> like she's like a brand ambassador for dairy milk <laughs> all right for 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 a palate cleanser <laughs> some for heavily dairy segment all right it is hispanic heritage month which is observed in the united states annually between september 15th and october 15th that's because a number of independence days fall into that period so it's obviously a time to draw attention to the range of cultures and their positive impact on american society the same sentiment is important every year, but especially in recent years, it seems to coincide with politicians spewing dispassionate or straight up xenophobic rhetoric about ongoing uh, immigration from Latin America to the United States. Um, I don't know how Eric Adams is celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, but yeah. his goal seems to be to say as many terrible things about yeah, uh, migrants that are legally allowed to be in our city as he can. But, you know. As you've both repeated often throughout the years, the issues, concerns, contributions of Latin Americans in the U.S. are so much broader and more dynamic than simply how their family arrived here or whatever like prevailing political narrative there is. So just for like something different, you are both very funny, professionally funny. So I assume you have very funny families. So to close this out today, I was wondering if you could share like some anecdotes to kind of speak to the speak to the spirit of your of your respective families. <laughs> Which who should go first? What are you thinking? You can go at least. Well, okay, so the story, as far as, like, funny stories that came to mind, uh, this is, like, this is, like, family lore uh, for a really long time. But, um, like many Latin American, particularly Caribbean cultures, Cubans love pork, we love pig, we love a pig roast. And when my family first came to the U.S. and they came. So my family, like brief history or whatever, is like right after the revolution, my my family was kind of like uh, they they were all based in Havana, uh, like middle class ish, which existed in Havana at that time. They left, which is like really typical of like the first wave of Cuban immigrants. My dad and his brother were sent ahead first because they only got two visas. They were in Miami for three years. Then my grandparents were able to get visas and come over. And then they went to New Jersey because there was like a really high Cuban population there because there was like a lot of embroidery and factory work. And when like my grandpa, well, my grandpa owned a bodega for a little while, but he also had experience like... He was like a factory. He like worked on the floor as like a manager in a factory or something like prior. The, all that to say, my family are the Cubans who went to New Jersey, basically. <laughs> and when everyone had gotten there, it was like really shortly in, after like the first wave of my family had arrived. And there was like a street fair um which they had never you know it, it's like we have them in new york all the time where like it's like a little carnival street fair festival or whatever and there was a game that you could play where like you had to throw a ball at a target and if you hit the target there was a little pig like a live pig and it went down a slide and my family was like oh shit we're gonna play this game we're going to win this pig and then we're going to eat this pig, basically. Like, we're going to cook this fucking pig. So they spent the entire day trying to win this game <laughs> that is, like, rigged by a carny, like, which they don't understand. That nobody speaks English. They finally win. Like, someone finally hits the target. The pig comes down the slide and... <laughs> And then they just won a piggy bank. The pig was not to <laughs> oh be. Oh, my God. <laughs> the pig was not, like, the guy was like, what? No, this is my pig. The pig isn't the prize. This piggy bank is a prize. And my whole family was like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
And oh, so that's, that's kind incredible. of like our, that's like my family's big, like, Mm-hmm. first month in the U.S. confusion story where like my whole family gathered to try to win this pig and they were like, we're going to fucking roast this pig and it's going to rock. And then they were just given a piggy bank. Oh my God. That's delightful. So funny. <laughs> um, that's mistake. so funny. I'd be <laughs> furious too. I have like two little short anecdotes. Um, one was just, you know, I grew up Dominican and my family's like very... Like you said, funny families. Like are your, par- very- your parents are immigrants? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. My parents are immigrants, but they met in New York City. So they were all like <clears throat> out in the Latin, in the disco mm-hmm. salsa, like Latin jazz. That's what they called it, which is like really intense, like live salsa, like scene. Mm-hmm. So they, but they, but yeah, they both met in New York City, um, but they are both from Dominican Republic and they're immigrants. Um but yeah, like I, I always knew like my family is very witty and like, it's very like on it, you know? And, and I just thought that that was like my family thing. And then when I went, I would spend a lot of time because from Miami to Dominican Republic is like an hour and a half, two hour flight. So we'd spend a lot of our vacations, like spring break, winter break, summer break, always would go to DR and like, it was always like re it was like these puzzle pieces of my life, like getting reconnected of like, oh, wow. And one of the moments that I'm like, oh, it's just like a cultural thing, like this wittiness and the sharpness. One time I was in um, I was at a carnivore, like a street fair in Dominican Republic in Santo Domingo. And there was I was in this like line for a slide, you know, those slides that they give you like a potato sack mm-hmm. and you go down or whatever. And um, ahead of me was this girl who's, you know, like, I feel like more like working class families and stuff. They really dress up to go out, you know. So this little girl, she had to be like six or seven. And she had little like those little old school kind of dress with the puff sleeves. And that was like green. And she had like a little cute green dress and little fluffy socks that were green. And her mom braided her hair and put green ribbons and all this stuff. And she just looked so cute. Um and the carney was like, yo, avocado, you're next. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's go. And I was like, damn, it's the whole country's like this. Like, this is why I'm like this. It's crazy. Oh, God, you were painting such a picture for this really wholesome no. moment for this child. <laughs> I know. And he's like, yo, avocado, let's keep it moving. And I'm like, damn. Oh my god. Avocado. Um, I know. So fucking me. And you were like, I'm home. I'm like, oh, okay, this is how it is. And then another thing about me, you know, is my mom always owned beauty salons. Like that was my family business. And the clientele was predominantly black, like African American, Jamaican American, Haitian American, um, women. But then um, the staff was mostly like Spanish speaking, but from all these different countries, from Ecuador, from Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, um, or even Argentina, Panama. We had people from all over. And so I would be there a lot, like serving as shampoo girl, but also translator. But uh, that's why I do really well with strangers because I, (laughs) that was my job for the longest time was like being in meeting people, getting them through whatever. So one day, um, this story sticks out to me of like when people think of Hispanic people as a monolith or whatever. One day I had a car. And I was like, hey, I'm taking orders for everybody. I'm going to Taco Bell. And I'm saying this all in Spanish. And then I had to go like woman by woman, like by 10 different women. And they're like, okay, what's that thing where it's flat, but it has cheese on it? And and I'm like, a quesadilla. They're like, yeah, give me a quesadilla. What's that? And like, that's a taco. What's that? And it's just like, you're telling me a crunch wrap supreme is not an authentic Hispanic dish. Well, (laughs) and also... Also, there are so many little moments where even in Spanish, the nuances in Spanish from country to country are so different Mm -hmm. that it would really like fuck up production in the salon. But also just the the idea of like speak Mexican and everyone Mexican and like having to explain the concept of a quesadilla to an Ecuadorian person. That was just (laughs) like a really like anecdote of me. I was like, oh, yeah, like there's so many differences in Hispanic culture. 
Uh, and I love that it's celebrated this month. So thank you for letting me share. Of that course, those were awesome. Time. Those were what a delight. Hey, avocado. I'm never going to forget that. Yo, yo, avocado, <laughs> I'm sure she didn't go. either. Oh my <laughs> God. Very formative house- memory. <laughs> formative. Very quick housekeeping note. Our company is off on Monday for the Jewish holiday. We're going to do the same thing we did for Labor Day, which is wait until Tuesday to record a fresh episode. So you're going to get your first weekly episode on Tuesday and your second weekly episode will come as expected on Thursday. And that will, of course, be Millie and Elise's last episode and will mark the beginning of our short hiatus. And we'll share more information and more like, you know, end of an era, you know, conversations for that final episode where we will also, (laughs) we will also recap the, uh, the next GOP debate, but that's our show for today until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up podcast. Bye. Bye. The Betches Up podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sazmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sazmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.